Leo Schlink joins us now to talk tennis and racing from Hong Kong. Leo, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you, Leo. Well, why don't we start with racing because we saw Golden 60 return at Chartin Sunday afternoon, made it 22 wins from 25 starts, but had to do it pretty tough because California Spangle was very good. He was, and um, it couldn't have panned out more perfectly for California Spangle in the run, uh, just the way that Zach Purton rode him so well and the sectionals all pointed to him pinching a break late in the race and then hoping to hold on against Golden 60. He was first up, and as Francis Loy, his trainer, said, only 80% fit, but he ran him down nonetheless, Golden 60, and um, it really lays down a marker for the uh, international mile um, next month um, at Chartin and um, yeah just a freak of a horse and um, California Spangle ran really really well um, but he just uh, wasn't able to this, virtually a repeat of the uh, champion's mile from last April. So do you think uh, uh, if these two are to meet in the Hong Kong mile as you said next month Long Jeans Day there'll be a change of tactics a bit more pace up front for California Spangle? Um, yeah I th- possibly I th- look um, Tony Cruz after the race um, was adamant that there was still more improvement for his horse. But you have to think that Golden 60 first up, uh, 80% fit, still gets the job done and just ran amazing sectionals late. Um, I, I just, you just got to trust Tony Cruz, um, his expertise. He's been around for so long and been so good for so long. Um, and if he thinks that there is some way that he can get California Spangle to improve, to bridge the gap, um, and bearing in mind, on Sunday, he had a five-pound advantage. Um, on Longines Day, it'll be um, equal weights. So that's going to be the biggest challenge for him. How does he now um, get across that bridge? It's going to be very difficult on on uh, face value. And then you've got the added element, too, that um, there'll be uh, runners from overseas in the race. So how does that change the race dynamic? Um, the one thing you know about Golden 60, he's got a set pattern of racing, uh, sits back and, and sprints hard late. Um, and invariably wins. Um, California Spangle, he's an on-pacer. I, I don't see a lot changing. Um, just going to have to rely on Tony Cruz to extract that little bit more from California Spangle. And Leo, I see there was a, a good crowd there at uh, the races, uh, thirteen or 14,000, I think I read, and uh, best crowd since the start of the new year, a, a turning of the tide in terms of attendances uh, with COVID and the like? Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, just to get that vibe, have the crowd there, um, relaxation of the uh, the social distance uh, distancing measures, etc., uh, meant that people they they still needed to show their their various codes, uh, health, etc. Um, but they could walk up and in the public areas they could enjoy food and drink, which is something that they haven't been able to do for quite some time. And yeah, thirteen thousand was the largest crowd since New Year's Day, and um, they're hoping to build on that tomorrow night at Happy Valley. Um, the beer garden uh, and the, the music area down and about the 200 metre mark, that will reopen uh, fully. Uh, it's sort of been in like almost like shadow mode for a while now where um, there are various restrictions on it, but that'll be a real test of it tomorrow night. And um, that's one of the great racing experiences in Hong Kong. It's been in shutdown basically through COVID um, since the start of um, March 2020. So it's going to be great to see that back. But there was a really good vibe there at the weekend and um, let's hope it continues to build from here on in. Leo, if we move from, from racing to tennis, uh, a headline I don't think you'd ever want to read about yourself, Andrew, uh, says, legendary tennis coach Nick, Nick Bolateri forced to deny reports of his own death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it I, would uh, you a bit, I wouldn't it, Leo? See... 
It certainly would, and, and Nick would see the funny side of it. Um, he's one of the great characters of tennis, and what a phenomenal uh, career uh, he's built since he left the military and became a tennis coach. And um, it, look, he's, um, the photos and the, the posts from his family recently um, certainly uh, made you stop and take notice because he, he always seemed to be almost in, indestructible. And um, what he's done in his career um, is amazing. And uh, I can't ever imagine Nick uh, leaving or departing quietly, though. So um, let's hope that um, we, we know the, uh, um, he, he's always been a fitness fanatic, but he's also now very elderly as well. And uh, just wish him all the best. Mm, I think it was uh, the preceding cause of death was suntan lotion. Um, overdosed on. <laughs> he is 91. I tell you what, uh, when yes, you think about is. it, Leo, those, those camps, uh, when I say camps, or those academies he used to run, I can think of Agassi and Sharapova all started there. Do those sort of things, uh, camps and uh, academies still run, or has coaching changed now? No, they do. Um, they've, they've, they've evolved a little bit, um, but they're, they're hugely successful in the States, and you know, I guess you have to work out the numbers about how many players actually went through and the ones that got to the very top and yeah. you could apply that basically anywhere apart from Australia probably in the 50s and the 60s when the strike rate was huge but um, I'm, you know uh, Patrick Moritogalu has got his camp now um, uh, down on the on the Mediterranean coast and uh, that seems to be going really well as well and that's uh, sort of like almost become the choice of professional players to go and base themselves around that but with Bolletieri um, before he was at um, taken over by IMG, you know, it just had a huge name and co not just for players, for coaches as well. Mm. If they went there and, and worked with Bolletieri, that was a ticket almost to success. So um, yeah, he's been an incredible figure and um, as he's got older, um, he's gone more and more into the media and he was always a familiar figure at the Grand Slams, particularly Wimbledon. Um, and that's where he had some of his biggest moments and yeah, his credits, um, you know, Monica Sellis and other players like that, it's, um, it's incredible what he's done in the sport of tennis. How much would these academies cost to, uh, to attend, Leo? Uh, just off the top of your head, do you know, uh, uh, you know, we're talking thousands a month. Uh, are you there with invitation? Is it live-in with schooling as well? How does it all work? Um, scholarships, um, mostly, but, um, I would say for, for some, it would be a straight out fee. Um, the really good players, and now it's because it's owned by a management group, um, IMG, they would um, presumably get there as part of their, their deal for signing on, etc., have access to it, the best coaches, best facilities. Um, and you look at, at one stage, I think there was um, Jim Curry was down there, Agassi, etc., that golden age of American men, that was all, they're all linked to those academies. So it's, it's a holistic kind of experience where you had schooling, uh, training, uh, it's the whole thing. And um, uh, speaking of Jimmy Curry, you look at him and how he came out of it, not just as a tennis player, but um, as an individual, a really well-rounded guy. And, um, you know, he's been successful in other things in life apart from tennis, immensely successful in tennis. But he had that full package of education, uh, tennis coaching, etc. Um, his was a bit of a strange journey because he was not the golden child down there, um, and Andre Agassi very much was, and that's why when Jimmy won, I think it was the French Open in the early 90s, it meant so much to him uh, because he beat Agassi. And uh, when he had been down at Bollettieri's in Florida, he was not the chosen one. And um, so that they, they take different pathways, but, yeah, it's a mix of scholarships, fees, um, etc. cetera. Um, and you see a lot of Australian kids more and more anyway, um, going to American colleges and, and getting a similar kind of um, 
I guess, education in tennis as well as um, in whatever their chosen subject is away from the sport. I'm just trying to think if there are any uh, like-type uh, academies in, in, in Australia, Leo. I know Lou Ho, didn't he start one in uh, Spain when he uh, sort of finished up? But I'm just trying to think of ones here. Have we not gone down that path? Yeah, we haven't really. No, it's been more um, academies uh, run through Tennis Australia yeah. where they've had in- institutes of sport, etc. But Lou Hode had one in Spain. Uh, John Newcomb, I think he's still got his name on it uh, in the States. So some of our biggest players um, use the population bases overseas to get going. And Lou Hode is totally revered in Spain for his influence on the mm-hmm. game and, and giving people access and um, yeah, he was an incredible figure, a much bigger name probably in Spain even than he was in Australia. And, and as we all know, he was a huge player here. And if you do a straw poll of um, players of his vintage, the, the Grand Slam champions, they, they'll all tell you um, that he was the greatest player, in their opinion, in, in terms of pure talent. Mm. Leo, on the weekend we saw Novak Djokovic successful in Turin, picking up his sixth ATP world title. It's his first since 2015, and making it six, he now joins Roger Federer there with that number of titles. It's just one of the most incredible stats of all time um, in terms of this event. Um, he's the first player to win it in three different decades. Um, he won it in 2008, dominated uh, from 2012 to 15, and then winning again at the weekend... Um, Beating Casper Ruud, um, just it bookends an incredible season for Novak Djokovic. Um, when you consider that he couldn't play the Australian, French or US Opens, uh, he got no rankings points for winning Wimbledon, he still finishes in the top five. Um, just a freakish performance. And Rafa Nadal will be um, the International Tennis Federation um, Male Player of the Year because he won the Australian and the French, uh, got to the semis at, at Wimbledon. Um, uh, Carlos Alcaraz finishes the year as world number one. But for me, the, the player of the year for everything he went through um, is Novak Djokovic. And what he did at the weekend is, you know, he picks up a, a winner's check. I think it's the biggest in, in tennis history, on the men's side at least, of over $7 million for going through undefeated in that tournament. And his career earnings now on the court without endorsements stands somewhere over $250 million cool. Australian. Um just a, a freak, and we'll get to see him uh, back in Australia next January. That's incredible. 250 million. Now, Leo, one of your many hats, of course, is uh, cycling, and I suppose, like us, you would have been absolutely delighted to uh, hear that Anna Mears had been appointed Australia's chef de mission for the 2024 Games in Paris. I mean, very highly regarded athlete, obviously, but I reckon still a little bit underrated for what she achieved. Unbelievable athlete um, and a perfect choice for that job. Mm. It's a difficult job, um, requires probably mostly empathy for athletes. Um, and she's someone who, what she achieved despite um, her injuries, that horrific fall that she had in Los Angeles and her effort to even get to the start line in Beijing. Um, I was fortunate enough to see um, basically her whole career and the way it finished in, in London in 2012 um, when she, she took on Pendleton, Victoria Pendleton, and, and beat her uh, in probably one of the most partisan settings you'd ever see. Um, and she was just so good at um, performing at the highest level when it mattered most. And um, she's the perfect choice um, by the Australian Olympic Committee to, to do that job. It's a very difficult job. And um, you think 2024, it's literally just around the corner in terms of Olympic um, timing and yeah, and it's the perfect choice. Well said, Leo, uh, and we, we all agree. Great appointment. Always a pleasure. We'll chat next week. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Andrew.